This episode is all about motivation. How do we motivate our students? What does it look like in our world language classrooms? Lots of questions around it. I'll be joined by Tracy Rucker, who is going to give us some really actionable ways to go about motivating our students in our classroom. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Hola, mis amigos. Bonjour, mes amis. Welcome on into the World Language Classroom podcast. Today, we're going to talk about motivation with our students. Before we get into what we're doing about grammar in the classroom and proficiency levels, we need our students to be motivated with questions like, what's the role of the teacher in all of this? What, what do we put on students? Or How do we know if they're motivated? What does it look like? How can we do it? Why is it important? There's so many questions around motivation. So to get to the bottom of all this, I am joined today by Tracy Rucker. Now, Tracy Rucker is a name that you've probably seen if you're out in the Twitter world. And he is a French teacher in Louisville. I made sure to say it correctly. I checked with him first in Louisville, Kentucky. Did I get it right, Tracy? That's absolutely okay. right. Louisville. That's Louisville, right. <laughs> Louisville, Kentucky. And so he is a high school French teacher. And uh, we were just chatting and it looks like we have a, a similar trajectory, kind of like that mid-20s number of year of teaching. And you may have seen his name come up also in many different workshop scenarios and different uh conferences that are coming up for BER, the Bureau of Education and Research, uh, ACTFL, YABLA, AATF, KWLA, which is the state association in Kentucky. He is a force to be reckoned with, and I am so happy that he has agreed to spend this time with me today. So hello and welcome on in, Tracy. Wow, what an introduction. (laughs) What an introduction. (laughs) Well, Joshua, I just want to say thank you very much for this invitation. I am, and those listeners who are here, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, the thing about our career teaching is that we have to collaborate. We have to be active. We have to connect with each other and we have to build community. And that is what this podcast to me is all about. Um, you know, we are talking about motivation in the classroom today. And, you know, I am, this is a topic that I, that I'm super passionate about. And now could you fill in a couple of the blanks with your backstory and how you got into teaching and how you got to where you are today? Originally from Hartwell, Georgia. Uh, There's a beautiful lake there. It's on the, it's on the coast of uh, Anderson, South Carolina. There is a beautiful lake called Lake Hartwell. And it's a country town where my parents were born and you know, uh, then we moved from there to Atlanta, where I was raised and went to school. Um, I've also lived in Virginia, Tennessee, and now I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, or like I like to call it uh, Louisville, but I'm the only person that says that here. Um, I am a proud graduate of the University of the South in Tennessee and um, further, um, furthermore, Middlebury College. 
um, I am, in fact, in my 27th year of teaching. I um, and I just uh, just a sidebar. You know, when I first started teaching, I thought I'm going to do this for five years. <laughs> what a, an illusion that was. And because I wake up every day and I am I'm even more motivated today because I don't see um, retirement in the purview at all. I am hopefully going to continue on. And so I serve also at my school as an 11th grade dean and the global citizens coordinator. Um, and, and I say that because it reiterates how passionate I am about travel and how passionate I am about creating motivating opportunities for students to continue to learn. Um, and I just thought I would share that my favorite places in the world are Nîmes, France, Costa Rica, Madrid and Barcelona. And I want to follow this up by saying why uh, that's those places are my favorites. It's because of the vibrant conviviality of the people I met there. And that is how I want to start out with this particular session. <laughs> now you're making me want to travel. So when you think of this word motivation, Tracy, what does it mean to you? When we think about motivation, um, yeah, I think there are three aspects that are important. Number one, ownership. Number two, personalization. Number three, genuine interest. Those are community building strategies that we have to really just walk into the classroom with on day one. Um, if we can get the students interested via hooking them into the co-created learning environment, we can teach, but we cannot teach until we do that. The second thing is that personalization is so important. I need to, as a student, feel like I am engaging in the activity because I have a personal interest in not only just complying with the activity because my teacher said so, but I want to be involved. I want to be um, actively engaged. And for me, that is critical because that is the student's genuine interest. That, that is a very difficult task to accomplish because we have to really figure out all those intricate, intricate ways to help the students learn. And once we figure that out, um, we, can, we can actually get in there and get our hands dirty, so to speak, and work. What do you think teachers sort of don't understand or get wrong about motivation? Like, what is it that they have to understand? Like, what what is motivation? Yes. I love it. We're, get, we're getting into the the tools and, and everybody uh, loves the tools. Yes. Like, how do we get them motivated? Yes. But how, how, how would you explain what motivation is? even is or looks like to a teacher well i'm gonna i'm gonna just i'm gonna channel aretha franklin mm -hmm. um r-e-s-p-e-c-t <laughs> that's what it is find out what it means to me and you know and i mean that because that's how i start when i'm presenting it's like there has to be a certain respect for the activity there has to be a certain level of um of uh, of respect I have to see myself. There has to be a reflection uh, somehow that is either direct or indirectly, uh, directly or indirectly um, imminent in the in the activity. Um, because when there is relevance and interest, motivation comes. But when there is no relevance, and I don't, it, 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 when there is no relevance to the activity. There is no real motivation. 
um, I believe that teachers and students have to co-create before the teacher can motivate mm-hmm. the students. If that makes sense. <laughs> and I, I love that it rhymes. That always helps us to remember it, right? <laughs> yes. Um, you Co-create ha- before you motivate. There you go. That's, that's your new somebody, hashtag. Somebody, some, someone, someone can tweet that out right now. <laughs> right. Like, co-create before you motivate. That's right. You mentioned earlier that idea of compliance, that yes. students aren't just compliant, they're actually interested and motivated to do the work. And I think some students are really good at putting on the mask of motivation when they're really just trying to make the teacher happy and get the grade. So can you pull that apart a little bit for us? And how do we move from compliance to motivation? From compliance to motivation, there needs to be, there has to be three factors. I always keep the numbers three, five, and seven in mind. (laughs) Everything that I do is based on three, five, or seven. Uh, so I think that there are three characteristics there that are important. There has to be an emotional response. Uh, number two, intrinsic curiosity. And number three, three, letter, th- three, uh, three words, details, connections, and personalization. All right, so I'm going to start with the emotional response. Mm-hmm. When you look around the room and you see that your students are laughing, that's a good thing. When you look around the room and you see that your students are actually chatting about the stimulus that's in front of them with another student, hopefully in the target language on their terms, you know, that's a good thing. There is an emotional reaction there. That is a positive factor. All right. So that's the number one thing. Uh, The number two thing, this is a bigger topic, intrinsic curiosity. That does not always happen, right? Um, To be, for something to be intrinsically um, embedded in us, inside us, we have to want to do it. We have to feel like it is worth the effort. And so when we, for example, use a strategy like picture talk, mm-hmm. um, which is a comprehensible input strategy that is incredibly effective, um, we think about how we choose pictures that reflect the the, 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 the various cultures that represent I'll say the Francophone world because I'm a French teacher. Um, so when I start, and I'll just give an example here. When I start talking about football or sports, I don't find the most obvious picture that uh, relates to sports. Okay, I'm going to find a picture that can relate to the topic I'm going to use from a different Francophone region first. Similarly, when I choose to talk about food, I don't start talking about la baguette or la crepe or les fruits. I start talking about um, communal eating habits in Senegal, where I, you know, where where citizens gather around a bowl, a large bowl. And they use their hands, their fingers, to eat from the communal bowl. Well, this is a powerful way to open up the culturally, linguistically rich experience for students because most of our students have never seen that that image of eating habits. And therefore, when I think about intrinsic curiosity, I believe it's so critical to find stimulus, stimuli, I would say, 
um, that represent all cultures from the, around the world. And we're not going to use the, we're not actually teaching the language. We're teach we're using the language to help students acquire not only linguistic skills, but culturally rich stimuli. Mm -hmm. And the third one is details, connections, and personalization. When students begin to offer details in, in speaking, in writing, you have hooked them in. They feel connected because they are absolutely personalizing the experience. Students are then providing you a lot more than what is required. It's kind of like, you know, math. You learn that X plus five equals 10. So you just have a formula there, but once you can actually add on to other components, two X plus five equals blah, 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 blah. That's when the intrinsic motivation takes place because there the students have a purpose for offering details. I like that you started out by saying there are three things we know what to expect. You know, yes. you, you, you do like <laughs> your odd numbers, absolutely. your three, five and seven, you know? I do. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, I, I yeah. do. I and do. so in looking at the, the themes that you are choosing as a way to motivate students and to draw in their curiosity, are you looking to students to find those themes that are of interest to them? What does that process look like for you? So I think number one, as a teacher, and I say this for my new to the new teachers out there, if you've been in uh, teaching in your first five years, especially, this is something that you may not have thought about doing. But on day one, ask students to write a letter in the in in their in the in English, right, um, to you, in which they explain to you what motivates them. They talk about their interests. The students will write a long letter. It can be as long as you, you know, you you choose it to be. I'm asking my kids to tap out at two pages because I want it handwritten. What is the purpose of the letter? The purpose of the letter is for you to get to know the students. And that is the very first actionable step that we take in order to um, be able to do some of the other tasks later on. If we're going to want students to engage in interpersonal conversations, we're going to want to get to know them so that we know what, what, what types of um, topics to add to the fold. Um, the other thing is card talk. I love using card talk. This is another comprehensible input strategy uh, that really is quite effective. And a card talk is where you distribute car, um, card stock to students at the beginning of the year. The way I do it is I ask students to write a line, to draw a line just straight down the paper. And on one side, you have a positive sign. On the other side, you have a negative sign. And I ask students to simply uh, draw images of what they absolutely love and what they don't like. And it's just images. And what do I do with that? I collect those and the students have no text. It's all images. And I use all of what they populate on those on the cardstock as part of my routine. So during the first weeks of school, as we're gearing up for the new year, this card talk activity is powerful because it's going to give you some insight into what you are dealing with. So that when you walk into that classroom on any given day, you know that Susie absolutely hates pie, you know, and Johnny absolutely loves chocolate. Well, you might have a piece of chocolate one day for, for your class. Well, Johnny's going to pick up on that. And you just bought, he, he, there's a little bit of buy-in there. Um, so 
But the other big activity that I love doing with my students to get them hooked in, at the, especially at the beginning of the year, and this is one that I use for uh, intermediate level students. This is probably not an activity for uh, beginning students because they don't have the language yet. Um, your intermediate students need to feel like, okay, we're not starting over. It's not, you know, I'm not going back to the beginning here. I'm going to pick up where I, where I, where I left off. It's going to be hard at first, but we're going to move forward. We're, we're taking the proficiency level to the next level. The activity is called 25 Things About Me. And so there are wonderful videos and different languages on YouTube that show you how to do this. And I ask my students that to create a, a short presentation um, mm-hmm. through any uh, technology source they want to use um, about them. And I want them to talk through those slides without having text on the slides and then, you know, everybody finds out 25 things about the students and I do the same thing. So, you know, I, I create my own um, like 25 things about me and um, just as a model. Uh, So I I say all of that because the question is how can we, or what actionable ways can we impact, uh, can we impart to motivate learners. And those are three powerful tools that I would like to share. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm seeing the connection to what you had mentioned at the beginning. One of the things was having a co-created situation in the classroom. And that that, I'm starting to pull all those pieces together. So by those, the plus and minus like, and don't Uh like cards, then Mm -hmm. you use those. And Mm -hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily that the students are helping to plan the class co-creation, but their personal interests are being used Mm -hmm. as you go along. And for those teachers who use textbooks, you know, uh, teachers always ask me about textbooks. So you use textbooks and, and, you know, I have a system there. Um, but I would say, you know, textbooks are fine. Um, you have to look at the textbook and see how it will work to benefit your 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 customers, your students, because they are customers in sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you have to find the material and then you, I always start with the culture. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say that. I start with culture first. Culture first, community building through cultural um, connections, and then the vocabulary. Mm-hmm comes in. And then as needed, I bring in the grammar. And, you know, after 27 years of teaching, I mean, my my system really has changed drastically because at the beginning of my career, I started with the grammar. I was like, oh, this is grammar driven. And that's kind of how I looked at it the first sort of year until I learned better. (laughs) But it's all connected. It's interconnected. And yeah, when I say co-created spaces, when I mentioned co-created spaces, I'm talking about those opportunities where the teacher and the student are students are working together to build upon the experience, which is um, the learning. Mm-hmm. You know, the learning has to come through a, a co-created space, and um, what I it, it's because if it's all teacher driven, you run the risk of not capturing the students. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that I know that there are teachers out there that are from pre-K to twelve. I would think that there needs to be a lot more control at certain levels from the teacher. I think the teacher has to, you know, especially with those younger ones in level one, for example, um, the younger kids. Yeah, they need a whole lot more guidance. Um, I teach levels one through five, and I will say that by the time they're in level three to four, it's time for them to really take the ownership to that next level um, of planning and helping actually plan 
uh, lessons. Yes, that is part of the co-created idea, co-creation idea. And what I mean by that is you have to use some version of integrated performance assessments. Mm-hmm. These are tools that allow students and teachers to co-create materials. You have your goals on the IPAs. Uh, you have also um, three modes of communication. So what am I going to do? What am I going to do in terms of receptive variables? Those are the listening comprehension activities. Those are your picture, visual support stimuli. Those are your reading documents. And how am I going to go from the receptive variables to the middle, which is interpersonal communication? Mm-hmm. Um, I need to leverage vocabulary and grammar. And then you go to the third mode of communication, which is um, the, the productive va- variables. So how, um, how what does that look like? But if students know from the beginning that they are going to co-create that IPA with you, integrated performance assessment. I actually call it integrated performance activity now. Mm-hmm. I don't call it assessment. Ah, twist on Tracy. That's Tracy's <laughs> twist. I don't think anybody else is doing it. <laughs> they will now. Um, they will now. It's, that's right. That's right. Um, and, and I have created my own. And so it's wonderful and um, you know, uh, to use some sort of IPA to really structure your unit, your chapter, however you have divided your classes, Um, because those are those, they're not even soft skills. Mm -hmm. These are really strong skills that students need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So I think that as we've gone through this discussion and hearing your ideas Mm -hmm. that you have touched upon this question, but I'd like to just pull it together specifically. (laughs) When teachers meet obstacles when it comes to motivating students and i and again i I think you you've kind of addressed it in different ways but i want to bring it together specifically here how can teachers proactively Mm -hmm. go after these obstacles that might get in the way of motivating students okay so this time i'm gonna go with an even number four (laughs) okay (laughs) there are are four (laughs) things um so um yeah i think the and they are in order of um importance, I would say. Um, I actually thought about this a lot. And um, I think the number one obstacle is that we tend to go over the proficiency level of the students. Uh, I am, and I will say, I'm in my 27th year. I am totally guilty of that one. I don't know of any teacher who will say that they're not guilty of going over the proficiency level because we kind of want to do that every now and then. But it's, it's not a bad thing because they have to sort of feel stretched. Students have to feel stretched but you don't stay in that high level when you know that they are actually intermediate low. We don't need to be in advanced high, right? Um, that's obstacle number one. And then I would say number two is that there, there isn't enough uh, focus on receptive variables uh, that I alluded, I alluded to that just a few minutes ago. Um, in other words, we don't provide them enough rich input. Um, I'm also guilty of that. <laughs> um, and I say this because I want people out there that's listening to know that I don't profess to have all the answers. I just profess to know what I'm doing. And I profess to being a lifelong learner who is always reflective of what I do. The third P 
piece uh, of this puzzle, uh, lack of backward design planning, and that can just be simplified, lack of planning, right? Um, we sort of have to have that tighten uh, so that the we, we so that we remove the obstacles, right? And I think the lack, the number four, lack of co-created activities. Yeah, excellent. So I'm I'm incredibly motivated <laughs> just by listening you. to you to be trying all these things and to keep an eye on a lot of these things. What I particularly appreciate is how you take so many of these ideas that we hear about and are like swirling around in our brain and we think is useful with our students and you put it together in a very programmatic (laughs) way where we can understand it. So I really appreciate that. So, yes. uh, So you've been uh, inspiring us. So I'm curious where your inspiration's coming from. Are there sort of conferences or go-to influences out there that you turn to? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I, because I know I'm going to miss somebody's name, I'm just going to avoid the, the dropping names. Um, and I'm going to keep it sort of on a bigger scale. Um, I watch lots of um, short clips um, mm-hmm. from a variety of writers um, and a v- variety of uh, mm-hmm. presenters who um, are grounded in, I'll say specifically, um, comprehensible mm-hmm. input um, and TPRS, the old school version the, the and the new school, uh, old school and new school version of the TPRS, because uh, when I say TPRS, I'm, sometimes I'm just referring to what mm-hmm. I started out with, which was uh, total physical response, okay, um, which is still a, it's, it's, it's just embedded through the proficiency through reading, right? Um, and it's a wonderful strategy. Um, I listen to, I don't, I listen to podcasts. I like to um, follow different people on Twitter um, just because I generally will get, I get motivated because I will find a post on Twitter many times um, that a teacher has or, or a presenter has, has put uh, out there. But I also get motivated when I see my students. And it, here's a specific one. Yesterday I was on campus and I saw a student who struggled throughout the entire year in a really bad way. Um, and the student wrote me an email over the summer just saying, Miss Rucker, blah, 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 blah. And I won't go into details, but it was just a nice email. And she saw me, she was about a hundred feet away and I was, I didn't see her. And she says, Mr. Rucker. And she came flying up to me and gave me the biggest hug. That is intrinsic motivation for me. When students see me and say, I am happy to be in your presence. That's powerful. So now we're going to pull the teacher curtain back a little bit to get to know Tracy, the person, uh, with this little activity that I call (laughs) this or that, just to get a little more insight into you. And always remember, listeners, that uh, when I reach out on Twitter and ask for some this or that, you should uh, tweet back your suggestions for these. Okay, ready? They're simple. All right, here we go. The first one. You go into a movie theater. Do you sit up close to the screen or in the back? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. So I'm laughing because I haven't been to a movie oh, wow. theater in over okay. 25 okay. years. <laughs> um, I, but I will say, um, 
I actually go to the back, but it's the only time in my life that I do anything where I go in the back. I want to be up front. That that's the only time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. You buy an antique or you buy something new? That is actually an interesting question because I have about 50-50. Um, I, yeah. I mean, as I look around this this room, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's old. That was new. Uh, <laughs> nothing borrowed or nothing blue because <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with new. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the last one, you have some time off. Yes. Do you relax or do you go on an adventure? I relax. Oh. Yeah. However, I'm super adventurous as well. <laughs> so, you know, can, can I change that answer? I, you I think, can change anything I think, you want. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to go on the adventure, you know. Um, but I, I, I know how to relax. Let me put it that way. So A relaxing adventure. Uh, no, it, no, it, they, they need to be different, right? Like if right. I, if I, cause there might be a chance where I just put on my, uh, my hiking boots and go hike. And I love doing that. Or I might just take a book, not even my Kindle or my computer, but I'll take a physical book to the beach and I will just be there. Um, now that's relaxing. That sounds really, right. that sounds really exciting actually. Yeah. <laughs> So before we start to sign off, I want to yeah. make sure that our listeners have a way to get in touch with you because I'm sure, sure they're feeling incredibly motivated right now. Wow. So where Thank can you. they reach out to you, Tracy? Yes, Tracy E. Rucker. Uh, that's at Twitter. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am an, um, an avid tweeter. I uh, Yeah, I'm active on Twitter and I'm also active on Facebook. Um, but I would love to connect with people on Twitter. I, I, I see that as a platform that uh, can be super helpful um, in terms of gathering information about strategies for our classrooms. I see it as a platform to uh, really see what other people are doing in their classrooms and to, and to just get a little piece of the chocolate cake in, in sort of some kind of way. Like I always equate things to cake, chocolate cake, especially mm-hmm. um, getting a little piece and then think I'm going to use this. And then you just mm-hmm. run with it that piece of cake and and it becomes something bigger later because um, I feel that's what I think Twitter is, is for. Plus the resources on Twitter, um, you know, from the, you know, are, are just immeasurable. So mm-hmm. absolutely connect with me on Twitter. And I reached out to you to yes, join that's me here true. on the that's podcast, right. which right. I did through Twitter. Yes. <laughs> that's it's a message right. on Twitter, right? Because that's how we know each other. Yes. Um, yeah, I heard right back from you. It's go. like, yes, let's go. Let's, let's do this. Go. Let's collaborate, yes. which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. So bef- before we say our goodbyes here, is there one solid piece of advice about motivation that you can leave with teachers? Absolutely. Yep. I'm going to keep it simple. See your students. That's it. See them. Don't ask the question, how are you? Go to the next level of saying, let's talk about blank. That is a game changer if you think about it, because that question of how are you doing this morning, Ah, your students are going to answer that question in the way that they already know you want them to answer. And so the piece of advice is know your students and try not to necessarily ask that that basic question of how are you doing? You you say, hey, let's talk about blah, 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 blah. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so very much for spending this time with us and for all of your insights. 
Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you so very much for the invitation. This has been a pleasure for me. So many incredibly actionable takeaways from that conversation with Tracy Rucker all about motivation. The two that really stuck out to me were that emotional connection will motivate students. And also, if they are part of co-creating the theme, it will be really relevant to them. And that will be motivating as well. Be sure to check out the show notes so you can connect with Tracy directly, particularly on Twitter. You'll also see a link to sign up for Talking Points, which is my weekly email newsletter where you will get language teaching tips directly during the week. And you'll also know exactly when new episodes of the podcast are published. I'll talk to you real soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.